Hello and welcome to The Inner Gamer, episode 244. We are the video game source for you, the casual gamer. My name is Brett Yanoski. And my name is Austin Morales. And this week on The Inner Gamer Podcast, Brett and I both jump into Call of Duty Modern Warfare. We have, uh, we have some good things to say about that. We're a little indifferent, but good things. Word. And in the gaming news, J. Allen Brack, the president of Blizzard, apologizes for the actions over the last month. And those actions were messing with China and Blitz Chung. So we took cover of that. EA partners with Valve to bring EA games and EA access to Steam. What? And PlayStation View is shutting down. Oh. Coming next year. Get ready. And for our discussion topic, BlitzCon 2019 just happened. So we covered all the hottest and latest games coming out that were announced. There's one that ends with a four. And you might want to listen to that because... Secret. There's no mobile game. Trust me. You want to catch this discussion topic. And cue that music, Brett. Hi, this is Charlotte Chung, the voice of Diva. I play to win, and you're listening to the Inner Gamer Podcast. Winky face. It is November 5th, 2019. Welcome to November, everybody. And welcome to the Inner Gamer Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, you can show your support by donating to help us grow our amazing community. Or you can also show your support by simply just telling a friend and having them like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, or what will be coming soon, Mixer.com. Hit us up on the Mixers. What's our handle? Mixer.com slash Intergamer. The Intergamer. Fuck yeah. Way easier than the Intergamer cast. So there you go. <clears throat> Hit that up. For as little as $5, you can help us grow everything, no matter where we're streaming or what we're doing. Just go to theinnergamer.net slash donate to contribute. And we have a game to talk about this week, everybody. It's a game that caught us by surprise when they announced the name. I was not sure about the name when they first announced it, but now I'm okay with it. I've I found solace in this name, and the name is Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Not the original Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Aww. but the remade version. Well, it's not even remade. It's a brand new game. It's reimagined. It's a it's a fresh new look at Call of Duty Modern Warfare with the same name. But it's funny because I was trying to find a walkthrough for it to find out how many missions there were. And everything, every single thing I searched was the old version of Call of Duty. So it's really <laughs> hard to find the new one because that's just what happens when you name the game the same thing in 10 years. Wow. But okay, not smart. I not, feel like. not yeah. It's it's a weird weird call. But I mean, I understand why they did it. Call of Duty: Modern Warfare is here, published by Activision. It is available on PC on the BattleNet store. So yes, we've had to reinstall BattleNet. Well, Austin had I had it still like for loading, but it's weird playing Call of Duty and BattleNet when the only thing on BattleNet is Blizzard and then Call of Duty games. It's strange, but yeah. that is what it is. Thanks, Activision. Thanks, Thanks Activision. Yeah, yeah. There you go. But Call of Duty Modern Warfare, brand new, reimagined. It comes with single player. It comes with Ground War, which has taken a strike at Battlefield. It comes with the new 2v2 gunfight, all kinds of modes, all kinds of customizations, all that stuff. We're going to start with single player, talk a little bit about that, and then we're going to jump into some multiplayer and then close out with final impressions and whether or not you should or shouldn't buy this game, which I said that it's like a double negative, whether or not you should or shouldn't. Yeah, anyway. Single player. Awesome. We're we got some it. single player here. Yes. How do you feel about it? First I, impressions out of the gate. Single su- player. Super impressed. They had amazing mocap, amazing cutscenes. Some of that stuff looks real. Even in the gameplay, some of it looked pretty real. Great voice acting. Uh, 
level design was actually pretty good. Uh, great pacing. You know, for a five-hour campaign so far, like, I haven't gotten bored with anything. Like, it's solid. And, you know, I remember when Modern Warfare 2, we found out that that, ga- that uh, campaign was only eight hours. And I was like, what? Only eight hours? Like, usually a campaign's, like, at least 20 or more, you know? And, uh, right, it was eight hours, wasn't it? It was something like that. It was, like, I think it was, like, seven. <laughs> it might have been. Like, yeah. it was short compared comparatively to other games like it at the time. And even now, like, this is a pretty short campaign. And honestly, um, I thought Modern Warfare 2 was great. Again, it had great pacing, great characters, everything I've said here. And, uh, you know, they brought it forward again with this campaign. I've enjoyed myself quite a bit. Like, there's some amazing moments, some real moments, some moments that you don't realize happen in war and what go on to protect certain uh, people. Um you know, trying to stop terrorists or bad people in general. And it's, I like, I appreciate that even more here because there's things that people don't realize and talk about. And we can jump in, into that later. But yeah, overall, I've enjoyed it. It's a pretty solid campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I feel the same way. It's definitely, I mean, it, this feels like a return to what I like so much about Call of Duty, specifically Infinity Ward's campaign, story campaigns. Mm-hmm. Because Call of Duty Modern Warfare 1 was a very intense, real, realistic feeling, grounded shooter where you never really understood whether you were a good or a bad person. And in this game, I kind of feel the same way because there's situations where you are put into roles where you have to do things that I was incredibly uncomfortable with. Like there's there's missions where you're like literally amidst and witnessing firsthand a terrorist attack in London. And that was that was brutal. That was intense. That was scary. And I didn't know who to shoot because I couldn't tell the difference between the, the terrorists and the civilians. And you're like trying to like get your way through here and like not kill a random person. And that was intense. And then there was a mission where you had to like go through this Russian house to find these bad guys. And there's women and children there. And you're in these these situations where, like, how do you react to this situation? It just puts this realistic tone to everything where it makes you kind of feel the the intensity and make you kind of think a bit about just war in general. And, like, like, it shows not only the big stuff that we see on the news, but then the little things, like these moments here where how do you make that a choice in this situation? Like you're tasked with this role of, you know, going in here and finding the bad guys, but so in a in world there, where there are no bad guys or good guys, like you can't tell the difference between the two. Right. It's, it's incredibly challenging. Two things. What he's talking about is that there's this mission where you go into the house and there's guys, obviously terrorists who are trying to kill you. So you kill them, but then you have women and children in there and some of the women pick up guns to shoot you back. Yeah. So they have automatically become an enemy yeah, <laughs> by doing that. And that's a real life thing. Like that yeah. actually happens and we don't hear about that. And the second thing is we've been conditioned from, you know, birth with stories and stuff, you know, as a kid to make it a little easier to con- comprehend things. There's always just good guys and bad guys. And I think that's very common growing up, even into your adulthood. Sometimes you, you don't distinguish that. That ambiguity, amb- I can't ambiguity. Say Thank you, my yeah. goodness. The second <laughs> podcast in a row. Yeah, ambiguity, ambiguity, ambiguity. 
what Brett said. <laughs> <laughs> and I think to see that as an adult just gives more credence to what real life is like. It's not just black and white. It's shades of gray, you know, and you having to make that choice within you morally is a great storytelling aspect that kind of breaks the third wall or fourth wall in a way that makes you question everything that has led up to that point in the game and in the story and where it might lead. And I, and I love something like that because it's just not cut and dry. Like people want to believe or, or, you know, stories tell or, you know, even the news puts out, you know? Yeah. So that's why this story is so great. Yeah. No, it's 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 a really interesting story that's told where you you're playing multiple characters and involved in different scenarios. They bring back Captain Price, which is really cool to see, and then you play with him, a character uh, Sergeant Kyle Garrick, who is a really interesting uh, character. And you, when you're playing with Price, like you're doing these more kind of like how they've always done with like British forces. You're more of a kind of covert operative and doing these small scale attacks and then you also play cia officer alex who is um i mean like he's he partners up with this uh rebel leader uh farah and they're working to go against like basically they do an exchange where if you help me find these chemicals we will help you fight the russian forces that are invading your invading you right now and do do this you have this like dichotomy of like you know these people sometimes are considered enemies but then in this case like this is a this is a like you see another side of people that are um you know labeled as something in society and you see it from a different perspective now granted i know before we started recording you were talking about like with the russians it's like they're basically just the bad guys yeah. in this no They've matter always what bad guys. <laughs> yeah and i i do think that is kind of a concern because as I was thinking more about it, like you have the wolf and you have all these different people in here that are, they're just, they're, they're bad and they're just inherently going to be bad. And that's just how it is. So like right. go kill the bad guys. And I'm like, well, it's not really, yeah. Like you said, there's, there's moral ambiguity everywhere. And like, that's not always that case, but in most situations, this game presents that as, and the, I remember when I was watching some interviews about this game ahead of time, they said that, we live in a new world now, and that's why they wanted to make Modern Warfare and rebrand it as that same name. Because back when Modern Warfare came out, there was a pretty clear enemy, and that was like the Middle East. And there was, you know, terrorists that were there, and you had to fight the terrorists. Nowadays, your enemy could be in your backyard. Your enemy could be anywhere. And you don't really know who is the enemy and who is real. It's like that moment where there's a part where you're inside of a, uh, a hospital in Urzikstan. And you're walking through it and there's all these like people lying there that are sick or dead. And one of the guys behind you says, like, be careful. There might be a, like a setup in here somewhere. Oh, yeah. So you're like walking through slowly and just look observing like all these bodies that just like this horror of like death and destruction and whatnot. And then all of a sudden you walk up by this guy and he lets like sits up and starts shooting at you. And you're like, oh, shit. And you have to like shoot at him and kill him. And like here, there's like women and children around everywhere, and there's this dude that's like trying to get you, and that those situations are very real, very intense, and um, yeah, I mean, I've some some people have a problem with this, like some some of the major outlets, uh, news outlets for gaming, like have a problem with this game, and it's like, well, then you have a problem with real life, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? 
Like, see something like this is not something you see every day. And, you know, they do have a disclaimer saying, you know, this is some mature content and it's not for everybody to consume. And it's nice to see something like that when everyone's trying to make, uh, you know, a game that fits for everybody. Yeah. And when you do that, it almost fits for nobody. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely pushing a lot of pushing a lot of buttons here and kind of, you know, they're they're going us pretty far. And I know whenever they did, I was listening to a podcast of uh interview with some of the creators of this game, and they said back when they announced the No Russian or they were doing the No Russian mission, they said that that, that mission divided the the office and that some people were like let's do it it's ballsy it's intense it shows a different side of war that it's 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 daring it's risk taking the other side was like no it's awful like we can't do that and it was awful it was rough but like this stuff happens and it does exist and you know being aware of it i mean there's a thing to be said of like the more you know the, the yeah you, the, look, you the look into the void be. too long you become void yeah I think that's wait yes maybe yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe i don't know maybe that just like went over my head right okay. there i was like You're whoa good. that's that's a lot it's a lot I, I remember when i played that mission i didn't shoot anybody i just oh, really? stood back like oh fuck yeah <laughs> like this is horrible <laughs> they, they even had that situation like they've had a lot of situations in this game where they really kind of test your moral compass because there's a part where they ask you, do you want to, there's a woman, there's a, a family outside that's about to get shot by this Russian invader in the U.S. Embassy. And you have a decision of going up there or not. And they have a little indicator saying that that door can be open, yeah. which if it's not an objective, so it's a, not always open. Wall of it's glass. glass yeah, bulletproof glass. Right. Yeah, bulletproof glass, and you're like, you can go up there, open that door, and try and save her. But then that guy's out there and threat could be shooting you. But there, he's like threatening you of yeah. like her and her son. Yeah, it's like, do you want to do? Like, are you gonna let these people die? So when I first did it, I went up there and opened the door, thinking, oh, maybe I'll be able to like get him out or something. And no, he just comes out there, he pops me, shoots me, and shoots the the kid and the the son. And it's game over. I was like, shit. They just like gave me this as an option to do, and right. I did it, and I. You I fail. fucked up. Yeah. And then that same deal when uh, there's a part where you're like, you're up in a helicopter and you get to kind of defend your troops as they're trying to escape from an airplane hangar or like a warehouse or whatever. Right. And he just says like, clear out all the bad guys and stuff like that. And then it's all cleared out and they start retreating and it says, all right, now you can, uh, you can, you can get out and, uh, you know, retreat or keep going. And they give you that moral, I, that, that decision right there of do you want to keep shooting the people and finish them all off as they're running away from the combat or do you want to quit and like let some of them live? So and you can go either way. I'm like, shit, that's deep. It's real deep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I, I kind of wish they had more characters trying to pull, pull you in certain directions. Yeah. Cause then it's like really like, Oh shit. Like there's a choice. There's a real choice here that matters, you know? Yeah. Uh, that might be too much because then you could put a whole like, um, I forgot what the name of the system is, but like you know, some people might like you more than others or something like that. You know yeah, what I mean? The nemesis system. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. 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 It definitely is one directional. Like you, I mean, there's a few little those moral things there, but overall, it's like you're following a story and 
you're being guided through it, but it is a really good story. Like the characters they developed here are solid. Yeah. Like Austin said, the acting is really good. Um, I've, I'm, I'm really impressed by that single player campaign. It is short. Um, I'm like halfway through it right now. I think there's like another three hours left. So yeah. it's probably gonna be like five or six hours long, but I think it's, I don't want it to overstay its welcome. And I think it's doing a good job of yeah. keeping that. I just hope it, Doesn't it ends well. 30 hours long. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's single player. Let's talk about some multiplayer for a little okay. bit because right. that's a whole different. That's like when you load up the game, you got single player. Oh, you know, we never played his co op. I know, shit. Okay, so single player, multiplayer, and co op. We're gonna talk about single player. We would talk about single player, and we're gonna talk about multiplayer. There's a lot to digest there. in this. <laughs> yes, so they've introduced uh, ground war. Some of the biggest changes is ground war 64 player, 32 versus 32. It's basically Battlefield, but not as good, um, which we'll dive into more in a second. Uh, they have 2v2 gun gunfight, which is like small arena-style maps that you fight, and it's like one-shot kill. And then they got some of the old you know, uh, game types that are still here. So you have Domination, you have uh, Headquarters, uh, Capture the Flag stuff, you have Team Deathmatch, Search and Destroy, all that stuff, of varying levels of complexity. Um so, well, on gunfight, you didn't like it. I didn't like come? that. It's just, just over so quick, and there's no way to, like, make a comeback. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, obviously, one-shot kill, so boom, dead. It's over. Like, all right, on the next. I think it's, like, best six out of eight. I don't know. It went on for way too long for what I wanted to do, and I was like, I just, I'll, I'll get through this, but I don't ever want to come back. Yeah. <laughs> Because you're in one map the whole time and you switch sides every so often. And I guess competitively, it might be fun to watch like a tournament of that, but I just, yeah. it just wasn't my thing. Yeah, I watched Shroud play it for about half an hour back before the game came out. Mm-hmm. And he was playing inside of some like, I don't know, esports place or something. And it was fun to watch him because it was a very close, evenly matched competition. And as they killed some people, they would swap, like instead of playing a full you know, best of six or whatever, they would play one, I think one 2v2 match and then switch to other players and then keep switching mm-hmm. players to level up and progress forward. And it was it was pretty entertaining to watch. Um, but I think that it will be, I don't think it's for everybody. It's just a nice value add to all the other slew of playlist options they have. Right. Like I could see myself jumping into this in between other bigger matches or something like that, but um, not beyond that. But they have uh, all the traditional matches, and they're one thing I noticed about the multiplayer here is it's a lot slower than I'm used to seeing in Call of Duty. Like you have your movement is slower, the animations are slower, transitioning from like crouch to prone to standing is slow you can't vault over everything like i'm used to doing in apex legends for example right um so there's a lot of things that threw me for a loop getting used to like i'm used to a certain type of speed and gameplay in this and it also doesn't have the feel of usual call of duty games where it seems like it's overly high fps and very twitchy as you move your character around like it feels a lot more uh, smoother i guess in a way um but I, I, I enjoy that quite a bit, even though it's pain in the ass and I feel like I suck. <laughs> yeah. So I jumped into it, and the first three matches I, I won, and I did pretty good. Like, it's either you're going to get that 
perfect aim down the sights right at the chest and the head or you're yep. not and you're gonna die that's just kind of seems how it, it, it this game's being played mm-hmm. and i had people that were already like super high level in multiplayer and i was like damn these guys are just you know this is all they want to do is play this game right yeah and for the most part i had fun and then you know the more i played the less i started winning <laughs> for some reason and i guess early on maybe they try to pair you with other beginner players and that adds to help you in to a degree because obviously as you play more you rank up uh with your level you get better kill streak uh upgrades perks you get um uh depending on what you know weapon you like or want choices of weapons that you like you can upgrade those over time with your own upgrade tree uh and load them out to different stuff and so there's a lot to deal with and look forward to if you enjoy this game but yeah like some of it i, I just like ground war i did not like i mean yeah it's just like a knockoff of call of Duty, or battlefield and i kept dying all the time there's no like you know hey go to go to the checkpoint b and yeah. let's capture that there's just hey you can spawn in all your friends but if you spawn in and another guy's right there he's just gonna kill you really quick because it's really easy to kill people now if you you know, aim at the right spots, and a lot of people seem to be doing that. Yeah, and you know the we played a map where I mean, I think all the ground war maps you can get vehicles, but one of them particularly kind of had more of an advantage. I feel like because it was a little more open uh, around the map, so mm-hmm. you can kind of go around the map and have a little bit of uh, coverage and safety from uh, infantry enemies. But like, no one really loads out with, "Hey, I need to make sure." I have, you know, a bazooka or C4 or whatever to destroy this tank and or any aircraft in the air. Um, and yeah, I know there, there's four or five loadouts that you can make and you can always, you know, tailor that. But from, you know, growing up on Call of Duty, it was never like that. You, you just get stuff for infantry war. And yeah. so this kind of threw me through a loop. And, you know, maybe it's just something you can easily adjust to. But for me, it's just like, I don't want to, okay, I guess... Like, usually in Call of Duty, you have the, I forgot what the name of it is, but the ones that you can shoot down aircraft, because, you know, you have drones, oh, and, yeah. and then you have, um, you know, the the personal radar that you can look at, or find people on the map, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's carried over over time, I feel like, at least from Modern Warfare 2, which I was really big in the multiplayer then, and, um, yeah, it's just kind of a mixed bag of tricks, and I don't know if I really like it yeah. all too much. Well... It's not that I don't like it. It's that I don't know if I'm going to be coming back and playing this as a consistent thing. Yeah. I mean, if you guys jump into it, you know, I don't, I do not mind going in there and playing a few hours of it. But if it's just being me by myself, I'm probably going to play Apex or Destiny. Right. Yeah. And I, I totally, I think I agree with that because I, I've never been one to play Call of Duty solo anyway. Like, I don't want to just jump in and drop hot drop into it a, used to be a match my, or whatever. I, I used to love doing that. Yeah, so I never I never did that unless my friends were online. But uh, that's just how I tend to play. <laughs> but I I do think that this definitely doesn't make it any easier to make that happen. Like maybe I would do that with 2v2 because I might find myself dropping in there. But then I feel like you're going to get some pretty hardcore players. Oh, yeah. That are going to shit on you as oh, being yeah. a bad teammate or whatever. So... And we know that Call of Duty is toxic as it is anyway, so definitely don't want that. And now that we have cross-play where you can play with Xbox and PlayStation people, like it's going to be more toxic. But it it is definitely... I agree on Ground War. I, I appreciate that they tried it 
to make something that is like that. But in a world where Battlefield exists, it's just not worth. It's not for me. Like it's not a good attempt. And they did a good job last year with Black Ops or Blackout, trying to upend the um, the battlegrounds or the you know battle royale genre. And they succeeded with that until Apex came out. And that kind of killed it in that regard. But with this one, like that's just it's not Battlefield. Battlefield, they do that one thing and they do it really, really well. And you can't top that when you're a game that is largely a small arena based shooter. You know, it's just not gonna happen. And right. like it's definitely very disjointed and I mean it's fun. It's it is fast paced and stuff, but it's not something I'm gonna come in and into often and play because there's no objective base there's no reason to squad up and have cheated objectives together like there is in battlefield and there's no class-based system so you can't carry out a role like you normally would right so because i mean like if you get your spot and shot at you're basically just gonna die yeah right and battlefield you can get shot you can get away and you can recover. Yeah. You know, hey, medic, I need healing. You know, they throw down a you know a bag or hit, stitch you up or whatever. Um, and it's like, okay, that works. Like team teamwork works. Yeah. <laughs> There's just no teamwork in a Call of Duty game. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's team deathmatch or, you know, there's one <clears throat> objective that you gotta get or plant the bomb or whatever yeah. you want, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I mean as far as just I mean, just team versus team. It works okay. I mean, people tend to kind of gravitate towards like one of those objective maps where you're having to capture flags in the smaller maps. Like they they work together relatively okay, but it's, it ultimately comes down to your KDR. Like you're trying to, I mean, there's a reason why your KDR is one of the columns in the tab menu is that it's a very competitive focused game in that regard where you are trying to one up everybody else. Mm. So in a game like that, having objectives isn't really going to do you a whole lot of good to entice people to work more together but yeah modern warfare 2 i would just go around killing people regardless of the objectives or well yeah. i would try to get the objective so we could win but i would go around killing people after we had it you know right and um i mean that kind of holds over to now as well but yeah i just yeah you, you, i feel like it's just an arcade shooter you go in there you have fun you kill a bunch of people regardless of what um kind of gameplay you're playing yeah and that's that there, there, there are. There's a few things I want to touch on that I really enjoy. I mean, gameplay aside, I think the gameplay is solid across the board. I'm definitely gonna be playing this consistently because it's not, it's not full of, it's not as chaotic as previous Call of Duty titles have been, which I like. And they've added a few new features to this. I mean, they still have a progression system. They have your emblems and all that stuff that comes in with it. But I like the the gunsmith component of it where you can customize your weapon pretty detailed, like in a detailed way. And then mm -hmm. certain customizations you add to it have buffs and then debuffs at the same time and trying to find the right combination. I'm excited to level up my gun to see how I can tweak it. Kind of like an RPG in a way. Like how can I customize my character? In this case, it's a weapon. But how can I customize that to be better? And I think that's a better system than what... Uh, Battlefield had with their gun upgrade system where you just had that skill tree that kind of gave you some some um, upgrades and whatnot but this is as you unlock stuff you just go up this tree of unlockables and mm -hmm. get those items and I think that's kind of a cool feature and once you find a gun that you really like it's just going to keep getting better 
Um, and I think I found that already with my like assault weapon. And then also uh, the gun that's kind of like the Garand, the carbine. I really like that gun a lot. So those two weapons, I feel like I'll probably just stick with and just level them up to the max and then maybe try something new later on. But that's a cool feature that I think they probably spent a lot of time on and really added a lot of uh, interest to the gameplay to keep me coming back a little bit. So um, what do you think of the map design? Uh, some are good. Some are, uh, some are not that good. Yeah. There's just... Yeah, it's not as good as it used to be in Modern Warfare 2. So some maps I was like, oh, yeah, I got the hang of this, you know. I, I'm dying, but I'm still living. I'm killing people. But other maps were like, holy shit, I am dying all the time. <laughs> and apparently campers is a huge issue on some of these maps. Oh, yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck, this is not how you play Call of Duty. <laughs> uh, yeah, camping is still an issue, even though they, I, I don't know if that's ever going to go away. Right. I, I wish it would, but that is kind of frustrating. But overall, I I think it's it's definitely a solid entry to the franchise. I mean, after Black Ops Four last year, where we had zombie mode, which zombie mode's cool, but I don't. I think it's not for, for a, me. A certain, yeah, a certain demographic. Yeah, and it was nice that they put out uh, a battle royale. That was cool, but there was no story, and that was a bummer. This year, I think the story really, really hit hard and well, and the multiplayer is is good it's really i mean it's great i think it's i think it's great and i don't have any it's the first time in a while i've been able to say that this is a solid call of duty game through and through whether it's going to be game of the year or the game that i play for the next eight year or you know eight months or ten months or whatever i don't know if i can accurately say that but i do think that they've this this has everything that it needed to have and i'm amazed that they've actually were able to pull that off uh, yeah, without many age. negatives, and yeah. they got rid of loot boxes. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. I don't Which, think it's gone forever. I oh, think yeah, they're gonna come back. back. Yeah, maybe in like a back. few months or something, they'll start like slowly integrating it. Yeah, to some degree. But uh, it did show <laughs> though that this game in the first three days of its release earned more than six hundred million dollars worldwide and broke multiple sales records. It's a top-selling premium game release of 2019. It sold more units in its first three days than any other Call of Duty title this console generation, the biggest-selling digital opening in Activision history, and it set a PS4 record with highest digital sales in its first three days, and it's the biggest Call of Duty PC launch ever. Wow. So that's pretty crazy. Well, this is positive. Yeah. Because they delivered a good campaign, their multiplayer is pretty good, and they took out loot boxes. So people, this should show a lot of things. They want story, they don't want loot boxes, and they want a game that's not full of bullshit. Exactly. And we yeah. got it. But with that said, I think you should wait to get this game. Although I really enjoyed so far the the campaign. Um, it is a little short. I don't think it's worth 60 bucks. Um, maybe it's worth thirty bucks. I'm not sure. You could put your own price on the whole it. game. No, just campaign. Oh, like by itself. And then multiplayer. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff you can dive into. That I just don't think it's for me. Something. If I knew how this game was, I might have waited to buy it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the opposite, I'd say buy it now if you're interested in Call of Duty. And you want a Call of Duty that feels more, has less bullshit. Because this definitely has less bullshit. And it's a very right. fun shooter. It's a solid shooter. 
plays pretty well. Maps aren't super great, but I think there's a lot of content here to keep people occupied and busy to warrant the price point of entry. And I mean, even the the campaign alone is an awesome six hours of gameplay and I think will be really memorable. There's a lot of moments in there that I think are going to be like the moments of the no Russian, the moments of the all gillied up um, campaigns. Like they have those here, which I was very impressed by. But gameplay wise, I think it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's a good good overall game, and I'm gonna I could see myself playing this pretty regularly over time. So I I'd recommend it if you want to jump on it, and it's cross play, so it won't divide your friends anymore. Everybody can play together. It's awesome. I don't know if you can squat up together. But, I don't think you could squat up together. Yeah, but you can at least try and connect to one another. So that's cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it. It's going to wrap it up for our games we played this week. If there is something that, or if you want to play with us each and every week, you can join us on our Discord channel. You can check out that link in the show notes. And also, if you like what you hear, please share this with a friend. Let them know about us. Have them subscribe as well on their favorite podcast app. And stay tuned. We'll be right back with our video game news. We have a lot to talk about, y'all, so I hope you're ready. Have you ever found yourself on your way to a friend's house for a LAN party or a con like DreamHack with no easy way to transport your gear? It's heavy, it's complicated, and you have to deal with about five minutes of parking restrictions. Thanks to our new sponsor, Crazy Pro Gear, you don't have to worry about that. They have an awesome pro-level backpack that can hold any mid-sized tower or smaller, your accessories, peripherals, and everything except your monitor. We used it at QuakeCon 2019, and it was a game changer. You can also use it for board games, video game consoles, and game sticks, and more to make travel to the next convention or friend's house as simple as throwing on your backpack. Head over to theinnergamer.net slash crazy, that is C-R-A-Z-Z-I-E, to purchase gear for your next event. A portion of the proceeds go back to us to support The Inner Gamer. We'll see you at the next con. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. It is time for our video game news. In this segment, we share the best headlines from the week in the gaming industry. Today, we're going to open up and talk about Blizzard, BlizzCon specifically. But hold your horses. We're going to talk about the games that you are here for towards the end. If you're watching this in video format, well, you need to go look up the Intergamer podcast or watch the video, which may be a video for this. I don't know. We'll see what happens probably. Yeah, we'll see. Something will happen as a video. But if nothing else, theinnergamer.net slash 244. You can also check out the full podcast. But BlizzCon happened this weekend, which is interesting. And we were kind of concerned because of all the Hong Kong controversy from last month. But it still went off. It still happened. And the first thing that happened was Jay Allen Brack, the president of Blizzard, came out and addressed, as he should have, with an apology statement about the Blitzchung controversy. And he, like, immediately, right when it opens up, he walks out on stage and he addresses the situation. Ultimately, what seemed to be a genuine apology about the fact that they reacted too quickly, they reacted poorly and that they're going to try and do better next time and he accepts full responsibility and accountability for it and they failed in their purpose of basically being a community for everyone and he mentioned how there's like 50 million players that play hearthstone or i think it was hearthstone one of the games has like 50 million players but all their games have a lot of players oh 59 countries is where they have players in so being a company that brings people from 59 countries to a convention like this 
is a pretty huge deal. And it's like, you know now that you are a global economy. And apparently it's only game. been growing. Yeah. Which I was surprised, actually. <laughs> I was too, yeah. They've gone three years without releasing a new game. This is crazy. Oh, it's, yeah. I didn't even realize that. That's yeah. insane. That's a long yeah. time. That's that's wild. So they came out and apologized. And, um, yeah, I think, I mean, it obviously they had to apologize. They had to say something because they couldn't just go dark and not say anything. Um, I think it was good. I know, Austin, you were saying there were some comments out there of people saying that it was kind of like a fake apology or something like yeah. that. <clears throat> well, I guess what people wanted to see was, look, these, I mean, I would, I agree with them to a degree. It's like, look, you, yeah, you might have been quick to react. There's things in place that aren't clear in your clauses for some of these things. And if you don't want any political stuff, say it. We don't want anyone talking about political things, okay? And then that would easily clear up everything. Obviously, what he did was political, so, I mean, it'd be like, all right, well, that's not going to happen again. So we technically, Blitz Chung was at a time where, you know, he didn't need to be punished. And for freedom of speech, it's like, I understand you might not want this to happen, but now that it has happened, don't punish, you know, the messenger, technically, you could say. Punish everyone else after the fact, you know? Yeah. It's like why why did why make him an example now? It just makes it look really bad in your part. And if you would just take the ban off of him, everybody would be like, okay, everyone will calm down, everything will be fine. And going forward from now on, this is what how it's gonna be. And everyone will be like, All right, that's fine. We get it, you know? Yeah. But it still looks like they're still catering to China and they are to some degree. You know, I you know, I I I'm I'm half lit Jay Allen Brack was tell, you know emotional about his speech, and half of it was you know we still got to cater to China to some degree. Whether that's all him, mostly probably partly Activision for being like I'm sure they had some lawyer read whatever or, you know marketing person and be like this is what you can say and what you can't say and yeah. this is how we have to tailor it. So whether this is what his actual thoughts were or they had to go and correct certain things, you know. It's just money's become the bottom line, and it's just kind of hard to see, you know, where your values are now, where they lie. Yeah, not to and, say that he wasn't like genuine about this. He, right. might, he might have been. And that's the problem with with growth of companies is as they get bigger, it gets harder and harder to maintain. There's a certain threshold where you start to you struggle to lose your identity as a, um, you know, as a, as a culture and you, you, you keep adding more people on there unless you, I mean, the idea is to, you know, start at the top and then build it up from there and hope that the culture that you establish trickles down to everybody else that comes on board after the fact. But right. when you grow as fast as blizzard has grown, it is challenging to maintain that. So, um, well, I mean, you're not technically holding the reins anymore. You yeah. know, it's now a bigger company whose bottom line is to make money. Right. So you have to deal with that. Yeah. For better or worse. And we've come to this and, you know, come to find out because I really didn't hear anything about protests going on, but there was a protest outside the convention center. Yeah. And people were giving away free shirts to uh, people coming in that said, something to the effect of like, you know, free Hong Kong or whatever. And they wanted people to walk into there and wear the t-shirt. They also had a red shirt guy say something about 
this issue. It was very quick. It actually had a few people, and uh, I think the one that was most notable to me was there's a kid who was when they were doing Q and A for some of the events or some of the games. You could hear him yelling in the background. It was a kid, like yeah. You know whether it's you think wild. kids should be be about that or not at, at that age. It's you know up to you to decide. But you know it's nice to see that it's still a thing. But I think the narrative has changed and shifted a bit. Yeah, um, it's kind of dying off at this point. And you know now that there was an official apology, if you want to call it that or not, um, I think things are, will return to normal to some degree. And yeah they can probably have a better grasp of what's going to happen in the future. So, yeah. Well, unfortunately, they didn't bring up Diablo Immortal, so that was a good thing. That is very good. Leave it in China, okay? I we did, don't need I that I did here. read it's still in development, but uh, it's they weren't going to talk about it. It's not coming out this year, so they're... they're that was supposed to already come out. They're putting their Blizzard touch on it. They want it oh, to be okay. as good as it can be as a right. Blizzard game. So, right. yeah, it'll be next year, but it was pretty fascinating. So probably still in development because they moved all hands on deck for Diablo Four. <laughs> yeah, to make sure that they can announce it here, which obviously that we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little yeah. bit. Fallout seventy six. We talked about Fallout first last week. I think it was last week, right? Episode two forty three. And um, now we have an update to this that I thought was kind of hilarious, and just wanted to throw it in here and talk about it a little bit. There is class warfare now <laughs> happening in Fallout seventy six. It doesn't end, Brett. It I'm tired of Fallout seventy six. So quick recap, you can also go back to episode 243, theinnergamer.net slash 243 to see that full uh, discussion topic. But since the launch of the game, they've had Fallout just had a lot of problems happening. And then they announced their Fallout first premium membership subscription, $100 a year that allows you to have private servers and some special gear and atoms every month and all these different things. Well, a Reddit player has claimed that Fallout First members are being targeted in adventure mode uh, because you, as a Fallout First player, have an icon over yourself to indicate that you are one of those players and you have the fancy gear. So somebody named Potato Seduction in Reddit had a call to arms and said, quote, we need to assemble and build gated communities for ourselves. He said, piss poor 76ers are targeting us. But the day before, however, they were um, calling the game a cash grab. So it's like, you know, who is this person? Is he really there or not? But basically, there's the 1%, which is the Fallout First people. And then you have the non-1%, which is everybody else. So the, and the first percenters. The first percenters. And it sounds like they are going against and targeting them and building things to to take them down because they're they're like why are you supporting this game slash you have better stuff than we do and we're gonna kill you for it so i just found that to be very funny and <laughs> this game was just continuing to be a pile of poo yeah and apparently elite came out recently oh no of a guy who don't tell me who knows things and they said they will continue to monetize this game and add more stuff to potentially uh, all grand assault obviously because it's, it's just a leak but Potentially going to give access to all um, uh, cosmetic stuff as they release for free if you're a Fallout member, Fallout First member. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah. So, like, they're going to try to keep keep this up, but it's like, why? This was never the plan. Never the plan. 
That could be an incentive for me. If it's enough content to give gonna, me bonuses. You're not going to play this game. Right? Well, I'm not going to play it. I'm just saying like that would be an <laughs> okay. incentive if I were in the game and actually playing it. Right. That a subscription to this stuff as opposed to having to buy it individually. Right. Could be a value, especially if some new story content came with it. But that's not going to happen. Well, they fixed the game. They Because apparently they're, according to the leak with a grain of salt, uh, they're scouring you know Reddit and stuff like that and trying to figure out what else they can throw into the subscription service to make the $100 a year more uh, appealing to people. Yeah. So instead of fixing the game, they're going to find ways to make the game easier for people. Well, announcing tomorrow Fallout First Platinum Edition, and it includes, whereas the game now is 70% bug-free, this will be 99% bug-free oh. if you pay more oh. for the Platinum Edition. So you got some bugs if you just buy the game. It's going to be riddled <laughs> with bugs. But if you upgrade to this higher price, yes. you get a bugless game. Oh, thank goodness. That'd be hilarious. Yes, it would. All right. EA Electronic Arts has announced as of last week that they are bringing games to Steam. Holy bonkers. Holy bonkers. They partnered with Valve to bring EA games and the EA Access subscription service to Steam. The first of these is going to be as soon as November 15th when Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order comes out, and it's going to launch on Steam, which is crazy. I cannot believe that this is actually happening. Thank God. I am tired of that origin launcher. That origin launcher is so bad, and I wanted just a way to play the game without the bullshit, and now they did it. And an update came out, a Reddit person posted who supposedly is on the dev team for respawn for apex legends stated that your games will launch directly with steam without running origin so that's exciting that's mind-blowing why like if i could play apex and steam oh oh, oh, shit is is this like a a, you know a little gouge at epic game store i hope so (laughs) like screw your launcher and and your exclusive community i don't know i think i read somewhere else that they said they're it's not to rule out that they might not. There, there's a chance that they could also bring their games out on the Epic Game Store too. Yeah, which would be insane. I mean, it'd I be don't smart like for them. I, I honestly, it'd be smart for a lot of companies to do it that way to bring it on the Epic Game Store. Well, no, just oh like my to, gosh, you've uh, you've turned the dark side. Uh, you're turning my words against me. <laughs> you know, Brett, fuck this, fuck this podcast. I'm done. So what are you, what are you saying? What yeah, are you saying? Uh, to like put it on different. Um, platforms like that well yeah that's what it should have been in the first place it's stupid not to make a lot more money maybe they're realizing these launchers just aren't working like they expected i mean give people incentive to use your launcher versus others but at the end of the day let people play on the launcher they want to play on right you know if you want everything on steam you want everything on steam you're still going to sell your shit no matter what no matter where it's at right so who gives two shits I mean, I understand that money. they want to kind of contain <laughs> money. the um, we want more money the platform experience, but it's still stupid, so stupid. I agree. Yeah, I'm I'm very frustrated by it. But they also announced that um, this was during all during their fiscal quarter announcement thing. Apex Legends is becoming an annual shooter for them, or their oh. annual shooter, oh. and that the next Battlefield game is either going to come in early or in 2021 or early 2022. And the reason for this is that Andrew Wilson says that he wants to see the next generation of consoles build an install base and have a quote strong two years of growth before launching the next battlefield. 
So Battlefield 6 is going to be driven by, and this scares me, a live service offering. It will be cutting edge and will do things in multiplayer, social, and competition that are new to the franchise. So everything's live service these days. It's just why not just a live service? Granted, Battlefield 5, I think they've done some good stuff with it. Pacific Theater just came out for Battlefield 5, and people are loving it. So I want to jump back into Battlefield 5, good and I'm you. okay with them adding more content to it. All right. You gonna join me? No. Why not? I like Battlefield, Battlefield Five. Oh my goodness! I just I want to go back to Battlefield or uh, just go yeah, play your Apex 4. and buy your boost packs and all your stuff or not Apex. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Destiny. 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 Yeah, yeah. Just go buy. No, I'd rather play Battlefield Four again. Like bring it back to Modern Warfare. And side note, I'm thinking that because Modern Warfare kind of beat them to it, they might go twenty one forty two. I hope so, man. Or twenty one forty three. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be awesome. I don't think they will, but no, that'd be amazing. They should revisit that, though. Yes. That was a very good game. They can. Modern Warfare is already, or not, well, Call of Duty has already kind of done the futuristic thing. They didn't do it very well, in my opinion. So I think 2142 can do something like Apex in a way where they can create their own history and story that be told within the world, you know? I mean, look at Titanfall 2. That was a good example of what a futuristic, realistic, grounded shooter thing could look like. Oh, yeah. So I would be all about that life. But I, I, I don't know what I think about the new Star Wars thing. I, I think they're just trying to set us up for this. And this is why we're getting this new game right now, The Fallen Order. It's like, well, see, look, here's a good Star Wars game. No loot boxes and campaign. Love us again. And then rah, gouge your wallet with this well, other yeah. service. I mean, at the same time, you got Respawn, who just released Star Wars, or is about to release Star Wars. But then Apex Legends, they have stated that it will expand next year onto new platforms, including mobile. And wait for it, EA will push the game into China. So they're going to keep Respawn, quote, hyper-focused on Apex Legends. And when people asked about the possibility of Titanfall 3, he said, we won't forget about Titanfall. Blake Jorgensen said that. So I'm glad. (laughs) I mean, I want Titanfall to come back. Badly, but I'm kind of concerned yeah. that as much as I love Apex Legends, it's also a detriment to our society because they now have found the cash cow that is this is their Fortnite, and they're just gonna run this thing in the ground until nobody wants to play it anymore. I mean, it kind of seems like terrible. that. It's always low on the charts compared to like Fortnite or other uh, kind of just shooter games in general. Yeah, um, it's fun. I, I like it. Uh, I don't know, man. I like it a lot. We'll see what happens with that. I mean, I'm glad they're bringing it. Someone mentioned that they're they said that they were going to, you know, give Steam all these games because, and then make it seem like they just want some goodwill because they're about to do all this stuff that's about to right. happen. And it's like, yeah, going to China is not very popular anymore uh, because it probably means it's going to be some sort of censorship to some degree. But they've yeah. probably already been thinking about that ahead of time. So they can already send those games over as they make that arrangement happen. Right. I don't know, man. I don't know what to think about EA anymore. I wonder if they're going to bring Battlefield Five to Steam and let it transfer over. I don't so see you don't why have they to wouldn't. use a launcher. But I don't know if if that's easy to do with if you didn't purchase it through Steam. Because I feel like Steam would probably not... Like, you'd probably have to repurchase it through their store in order to transfer it. Well, Destiny was an easy transfer. But you had to purchase it. No, through Steam. No, you get the the free thing. Oh, you well, you had already yeah. bought on PC though, right? But like for somebody like me, like I, I but you get the, the you're, but you're saying from yeah yeah the, if you get the new light, that's all free. Yeah, 
And then if you want to buy the other stuff, you can. That's true. That's true. But Battlefield won't be that way. It's still going to be a paid game. So I wonder if they're going to let you carry that over. Because, I mean, I guess EA still got their money for it, but will Steam want to cut of that? Or will they be okay with just hosting it? Exchange of money because there is hosting and everything. So I'm sure there's like an initial fee to get all that over. And after that, it's just they do their thing. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But EA is coming to Valve, and that's a good thing. And I think that's their attempt to make goodwill with the societies and say, hey, (laughs) you don't have to use our garbage launcher. You can go over here. And for them, it's probably better because they can just make their games and do the shit that their games do and just put it anywhere else. They don't have to maintain that stupid launcher and spend all the money on it. I know. Which makes a lot of sense to me, but... Oh, what, what do you what know? am I to say? I yeah. mean, I'm not a businessman. So yeah. You don't have a billion-dollar corporation. Speaking of billion-dollar corporations, Peon. Sony oh. is shutting down PlayStation View on January 30th of 2020. Those of you that don't know, PlayStation View was their live television streaming service where you could pay a price point of like $40 a month and ultimately have a cable subscription where you could kind of pick and choose a little bit more with more control over the channels that you watched. Um, Unfortunately, however, because of the highly competitive TV industry and concerns over, quote, expensive content and network deals, they are shuttering it, and they couldn't find a way to offer the licensed content it needed for in a sustainable way. So going forward, they're going to remain focused on their core gaming business and getting rid of the app. So active subscribers will receive their final charge on in December 2019, unless they cancel prior to the billing date and they'll be able to watch until January 30th. Uh, I've always wanted to buy this because I thought it was interesting, but I've never found, I just didn't want it on my PlayStation or on my, yeah, I want to watch on my Apple TV. So this is happening. And it's just, we're in a weird time with television because everybody now has a subscription service and it's getting to the point where it's more expensive to have subscription services than it was to have cable because everything has its own five to ten dollar subscription fee. Yeah. So I don't blame them for shutting this down because it's not the business they need to be in. They're not. They don't need to be developing content and stuff like that. They just need to exactly. be focusing on making badass games and badass console systems that support the games and the hardware to support that. And that's actually why I've come to realize that I really do appreciate Microsoft and PlayStation. Obviously, giant corporations, they have faults, but to have that giant corporation backing you that's not just a gaming corporation, it's you know a product corporation and you know software corporation, depending on who you are. And it's like, it, I feel like they give the freedom, more freedom at least, to their developer, the game developers to create something awesome. They get the money, they get the time, yeah. they're able to produce good content, they get the people needed. It's not all just about money. I mean, obviously, it is about money, but at the end of the day, that's not their. That's not just what they do compared to like Activision or EA. Like that's all they do. So their bottom line is, we gotta make these games that make the most money. It's like the games are just a way to push a product to help push a product, like the console on yeah. people. And I've really like, you know, I guess people can say good things and bad things about all that and how it pans out, but. I mean, from where I'm standing from, it seems like a a good good piece of the pie. Yeah. Well, it's like we said earlier with Origin, like 
them shutting down, like allowing their platform, EA allowing their platform, your their games to be available anywhere, they can take less resources off of Origin to focus on new things. Now with EA, it's probably going to be their their streaming service that they're going to put that effort onto. But in this case, like now they can take whatever team was developing PlayStation View and put them back onto these other projects. That I mean, PlayStation Four was by far the I think the best selling console ever, if I'm not mistaken. Like it, it, it's still killing records when it comes to sales of this console, and that's a that's a huge deal. And I hope that the next one does that. And they just came out and said that they trademarked PlayStation Six, Seven, Eight, Nine, and Ten. I think even Eleven or something like that. The next six of them already. So they're they're planning for a long term here to just keep pumping these consoles out. And I think that's what they should focus on is keeping that going and make these the best possible gaming devices you can get. Because you got your TVs now built in with TV technology that will stream from these con- these things. You don't need your console to do that. So PlayStation 2 is actually the best-selling console ever. Oh, really? With over $155 million. What's PlayStation 4 at? PlayStation 4, according to Wikipedia, at this time... Uh, Hundred and two point eight million. Oh, that's it. Yeah, Damn, they need to get caught Game up. Game Boy, Game Boy Color, which are in the same category, I guess. Uh, one hundred eighteen oh, million, wow. and the Nintendo DS sold one hundred fifty four million. Now, I don't know if this is just in America or worldwide. Yeah, but um, I there there it is. That's not too bad though. No, that, that's that's, that's cool. <clears throat> I mean, it's still doing good. Oh I yeah, mean, totally. It's the second best PlayStation sold. So, and the PlayStation yeah. 1's right underneath it with 102.49. Wow. So, not by much. So, they all done really well. <laughs> PlayStation 3 only sold 87.4 million. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was funny. That was, a, that was a, 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 a bump in the road. Yes. Yes, it was. Getting there. But, but it, they succeeded. They did. They did indeed. All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for our news this week. If you want to watch these in video format, check out our channel on youtube.com slash the inner gamer and subscribe to get these videos as they launch. Stay tuned. We'll be right back for our discussion topic. That is all about BlizzCon 2019. We'll be right back. You're listening to the inner gamer. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Each week, we break down a hot topic in the gaming industry, and this week, probably the hottest topic of discussion is BlizzCon 2019. It has happened, it has come and gone, and with it, we have several video game announcements and reveals to share and discuss. So at BlizzCon, it was a very interesting year because they came off of last year with their... Do you guys have phones? Diablo Immortal announcement. And then... It's an off-season April Fool's joke. Yep. <laughs> and uh, this month, they or last month, they went and banned that player uh, and with the Hong Kong controversy. And Blitzchung. that Blitzchung. And that was a whole mess of things. So Blizzard's been kind of under fire a lot lately. And now we have them with their community event that's meant to bring everybody together. And there's a lot of stuff... R- writing on this so as you heard earlier if you're listening to the podcast we talked about the apology that J. Allen Brack came out and gave but we're going to talk about the games right now so we got Diablo 4 WoW Shadowlands the new expansion for World of Warcraft Hearthstone Descent of Dragons Hearthstone Battlegrounds their auto battler mm. and Overwatch 2 mm. so overall 
with the showcase. Austin, how did you feel about this? BlizzCon across the board. Uh, off the bat, I was I was pretty impressed. I mean, I expected Diablo 4 to happen. Uh, we actually already got leaks of WoW Shadowlands and Overwatch 2 before they you know, were released on the showroom floor or on the uh, what was it? The opening ceremony. Yeah, and I like how uh, what's his face made a comment about that. He's like, thank you all for, for doing my job. And basically, I don't even have to come out and announce anything. I just know that the week before the game comes out, I'll just see it all online. You guys will just talk <laughs> about our game without us. I, I don't know. Uh, some people are saying this potentially could be just Blizzard trying to get uh, a jump on it and get people hyped and stuff, which I, I think there was a little bit of hype. I think people were very excited for this. Um, but obviously, the other I, I didn't care about Hearthstone or anything, but... You know, I, when I watched some of the gameplay and stuff, and you know they had some really awesome trailers, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is kind of cool." But now that I had a little time to think about it, I think, uh, yeah, I think I have more of a clear head and not so much like, "Oh, look at the cool trailers," which they always have cool oh, trailers. Oh, look at the cool trailers! Yes, always cool trailers. Always cool trailers. Man, I was impressed with how long they were. They're pulling a Death Stranding here with eight minute long cinematic trailers Good. for Overwatch 2 and Diablo yeah. 4 and all that shit. That was wild. It was wild to see. But yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. It, I was I was pretty relatively impressed. I didn't expect them to have this much new content to showcase, especially since last year it was just, oh yeah, we have a Diablo Immortals. Yeah, there's phone nothing. Game that's we it. have nothing. I feel like they should do a better job at spreading this stuff out. Yes. Like I know timelines affect a lot of this, but they should try and figure out okay we have like the, for this one for example you have Diablo 4 WoW and Overwatch 2 you could have saved WoW Shadowlands or not necessarily that but like say for example WoW Shadowlands and then Overwatch 2 for like the next BlizzCon and then for this one had a big announcement and then a smaller announcement or two and leave it at that so you have, have a big go away I think that's the thing like right well and they're trying to change the narrative of what's happened with Blitzchung and China so they're like dropping everything that they can right now. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I heard that Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2, like, we're not going to see that till next year. No. So it's still early. If we're lucky early. next year. Yeah. I mean, I know the I waiting. I can see Overwatch 2 happening early next year, but Diablo 4 probably could be end of next year or even I, into the following year. I think they're waiting for the consoles to come out, the new consoles. You think so? Yeah. I think yeah. we won't see it at least until fall. I, I can see fall will, might get Overwatch 2. But Diablo 4, I don't think we'll get till 2021. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. They're still, working, they're still working on Diablo 4. Yeah. There, there is no dates or hints or like time spans of like when this is yeah. being released. So it looked good though. Yeah. And oh, they yeah. had playable content. Well, let's let's go ahead and jump into that. Yeah. Diablo 4, first and foremost. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. So a few items that we'll, I'm just going to go through a few of the main things that they announced, and then we'll discuss our opinions and stuff on said announcement. So they showcased a gameplay trailer featuring three classes, the Sorcerer, the Barbarian, and the Druid. There was a lot of crowd applause for the Druid. I guess that's a fan favorite. Uh, so that's going to be included in the game. They talked about an open world campaign this time around and mounts to get around faster. So it's a non-linear campaign where you can basically go anywhere instead of being constricted to like one space, you can go all over the place and it's a very large scale map according to people that saw the map itself. Uh, there's going to be hundreds of dungeons and legendaries. I don't know what the legendaries are, but I heard people saying that that was a cool thing. So there's that. 
Uh, they've added skill trees, uh, rune words, and ability levels. So you have customization cosmetically. Skill trees help upgrade various aspects of your abilities. Rune words will be, are things you can equip that weren't in the last game, I don't believe. I think they came from Diablo 2. They were, at some point, they were a new thing, and then they weren't available, and now here we are with the ability to equip them to weapons to give them special effects, and then ability levels to make each individual ability a little bit stronger. They also have darker and more random dungeons. So that's something I definitely want to dive into here in a little bit. PvP is back. Returns with an opt-in system for combat. So you can actually fight people in the world, which was not in Diablo 3, but it was in Diablo 2. So that's pretty exciting. And then this idea of social areas and challenges with many players in the area to hang out, swap stories, trade, check out builds, and potentially gather in groups to take on big world bosses inside the world. So it sounds like there's a little bit of an MMO kind of aspect to it, but that is kind of up to discussion. So overall, Austin, like, what are your thoughts on the idea behind the open world aspect and the, the dungeons and the darker feel that they're, they're shooting for with this game? I think all that's good. Having random dungeons is good. Well, having an open world is great because I think, it, well, depending on how the main campaign plays out, could allow you to do a lot of exploring like you might do in The Witcher to some degree. Obviously not that intensive or, you know, most of Diablo is just going into dungeons and killing people. Yeah. Or killing beasts and undead things. So, I mean, it all sounds good. I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be excited for that. I mean, they're taking a new... I, I, Diablo... Three was very linear, and um, did it was you still beat Diablo fun. three or no? I tried. I got pretty close. Did you play all solo, or did you do with uh, teams at all with like Travis well, and Sarah or anything? Well, I did it with them, but then I went back and I got even farther with my character. Okay, that I played on the Switch. So yeah, I tried to power through that thing pretty quick. Yeah, it was a long game. Oh yeah, it's a long sure. game. Plus, they had all the DLC with it and stuff. So. I don't, I don't just the, the way that they have everything set up makes sounds like it's gonna you're gonna have a lot of variation and and gameplay and things that you can do that and being not being constrained kind of helps lead to you finding your own moments in this game yeah that I think uh, a lot of open world stuff has so yeah I I think it's a uh, I'm excited but I'm also concerned because. So I was listening to the creative directors behind The Outer Worlds mm. and they were talking about the idea of like they they were asked why did you not go open world with this game? Budget was obviously a huge part of it, but they said that there is some they don't like the idea of open world being the new standard. Like there's some games that shouldn't be open world. And in their case, story was a big part component for them. And they think it's a lot better to serve that with these open area, whatever they are called, spaces that allow you to kind of control the player a little bit better mm -hmm. and allow them to experience things you want them to experience, the times you want them to experience it. And I think that's true because I feel like, you know, Borderlands, for example, it's open area, but very linear paths in most cases. And I kind of like that because I can see clearly okay, I've explored every nook and cranny of this map because the fog of war shows me that I've done it. And for me, that's better because I feel I can visually see my, the fact I'm accomplishing something. There's not so much that it's overwhelming, like in Zelda Breath of the Wild, where it's just you go everywhere and you don't know if you've actually been in this nook before and found this thing. 
and like there's just this this too much content in some cases and i think with I this you. i'm concerned about that in this game because i've never thought of diablo as an open world game but i'm curious to see how open it is and I, I, will that hurt it or not i don't think it will because well depending on how the good the story is like for me in the witcher 3 there's a lot to do in that world right yeah but I felt that the story was so compelling that I kept getting pulled back into that linear path of let's go to the next mission and see what's going to happen, right? And that yeah. could be the same thing here, depending on how they tell their story. <clears throat> yeah. um, and some people don't care about story. You know, some people just like the gameplay that they have there. Uh, yeah. So it kind of leaves that option for them. And I mean, I agree. Like some games shouldn't be open world. Some games should be linear. But it just kind of depends on what kind of story you're telling and how dynamic and compelling it is. Yeah. So yeah, I I do love the uh, the mounts look really cool because I saw in the gameplay trailer when you're running in on a mount you can run in and literally jump off and like initiate an attack That's right awesome. at the same time. Yeah. So that was just a really cool, epic entry point into it. And the the classes look 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 pretty sick. Like some of the capabilities that each character has and the 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 you know charging down a line or the one uh, I think it was a druid that converted into an animal yeah, and turns, to like, a bear. It's yeah awesome. turns into a bear and like fights people in that sense it's just like the animations and everything just look really really solid and visually very <laughs> compelling and the graphics look fantastic like they really one up this game in terms of visual fidelity um, and I like that they pitched heavily that this is this is a dark game blood gore guts like it's it's diablo you're going to hell like it's they're listening to the to fans that. this is what we wanted this is what they wanted people yeah. have been talking about this yeah oh no let's get a mobile game <laughs> it's for everybody except yeah we're taking out all the core elements that made diablo diablo so yeah i'm curious about the social areas though it's like a destiny kind of idea here and i don't know if that's needed for, i mean i always think of this game as a single player ish or co-op experience and the addition of this open area space with other players is, is it useful? I, I don't know if it's necessary. I know people were talking about how it, having randos be a part of this uh, battle with you just makes it, not so good because it just makes there, there's no coordination. There can be obviously, but if you're going with randos, you know half the time, well probably most of the time, they don't give a fuck about what's going on here. They just want to attack this thing. They're not th thinking about strategy. Obviously, it depends who you who you find or go into this battle with. I just I just don't see it being something that's going to help this and make it stand out from yeah. itself or make just make it a, a newer experience that's worth having. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be good. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see more from the game. They didn't, they, they had a playable on the showroom floor, but from my understanding is there wasn't much else to do there. And I don't expect us to see this for a while. So, right. What we see now, though, it's it's got me pretty excited. Like I've never been a big Diablo fan, but I could, I would love to get us together to play this at some point and dig through it and experience the masterpiece that is the Diablo universe. Right. So, right, it's exciting. Uh, let's talk about World of Warcraft for a moment here. Oh, so yeah. they announced some new things with World of Warcraft. They did say that they're still adding updates to WoW Classic, which is cool. So they now have they're coming up 
to add uh, world bosses and a PvP honor system. I don't know what a PvP honor system is. Do you know what that is? I don't know. Wow, fan? No? Damn. I don't know. Okay. Well, those are being added. So that's something that you can get excited for if you're a WoW <laughs> Classic person. But the big reveal was their new expansion called WoW Shadowlands. And in Shadowlands, this opens up the land of the dead after Sylvanas destroys the Helm of Domination, which previously was thought to be unbreakable. And then she freaking ripped it apart and then it opened up this new area where it's basically like the purgatory, I guess, before you go to heaven or hell or whatever happens with that. And all these new, the, you start in the Baron, not the Barons, you start in this area that exists. And I forgot the name. It starts with right. the B though. But there's a bunch of new places to explore. One of them looks like there's fairies and like grassy land, right. like, like cool just colors and stuff in that world. Um, and they've changed the level cap. This is a big deal. They dropped the level cap from 120 to 60, and everybody's going to be like 50, which they were like, this is more accessible for new players. So that was a big change. And they're learning something from WoW Classic. <laughs> they are. They are. Uh, they're like, nobody wants WoW Classic, right. and they brought that out. Now they're like, let's lower the level cap. Yeah. And then they have a new dungeon that's going to change every time you enter it. So it's like a roguelike dungeon, which is really, really interesting. But again, I'm not going to get it because I'm not a WoW player. But those yeah. that are WoW players, it looks cool. But that's cinematic, though. It was good cinematic. That was badass. Well, because it, it, you just really, they're coming off the back of that, the last cinematic for uh, the last expansion, Battle of Azeroth. And so you, this whole story bit with Sylvanas, and then you come to this, and you finally find out like where she went because she just left from. Um, Ogremar, and uh, you should watch it. I haven't seen it yet. It's really cool. I think I did. Yeah, and um, then you come to this, and it's just like, holy shit. Like, I, Blizzard does a really good job with making these very strong, poignant plot points that start the chain reaction of a whole other story they're trying to tell. I've always enjoyed that. Yeah. So here we are again. Like, something major just happened. Something you never thought that could happen, and it's happened. <laughs> yeah, when that sky opened up and just, like, brought that orange color into this dark, barren land, I was like, whoa, that's that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, it's Bastion. That's that's the land. Bastion. There you go. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. So, World of Warcraft fans, that's what you got coming out. I probably won't play it. Austin, are you going to get it? Uh, no. I, I, I still don't know if I can support... <clears throat> blizzard proper games right now it's tough life it's tough life i know yeah i can look at them and comment on them yeah i mean it looks cool i'm sure people who i know there's a lot of wow people out there who i listen to every so often yeah get their take on stuff they're they're excited about it yeah they said there's a lot of good changes they're listening someone else was saying that it was it's every other expansion that blizzard nails it's the ones in the middle that Blizzard just somehow messes up horribly. Yeah. And Battle for Azeroth was, Azeroth was one of them. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Because everyone's in WoW right now. Yeah. Like people uh, people went to go look at some of the cities and some of the major, uh, the highly populated servers. There's nobody there. Everyone's playing WoW Classic. That's so funny. I know, right? What, what are the odds of that? It's so, so crazy. Um, yeah. So then we have Hearthstone. So Hearthstone is their card game, and they announced a new expansion called Descent of Dragons that launches on December 10th. And <clears throat> Descent of Dragons ultimately just adds some new card abilities, uh, a dragon that has three forms, and you can also do this thing where you can stack these 
cards together to allow this character to evolve into new forms. And there's just a lot of dragons. So dragons are cool. That's exciting. More cards to play with. Awesome. Yay, Hearthstone. But the thing that was really interesting (laughs) is they announced a thing called Hearthstone Battlegrounds, which is their eight-player auto-battler with 24 heroes. So you still got your cards, though. So it's not like characters on the, the map like it is in all these other auto battlers, it is the cards and you throw the cards down and otherwise it's just like an auto battler kind of system. So that's added. Hearthstone has it. Of course, everybody's got to jump in that craze. And yeah. Yeah. It's part, part of the thing now. It's part of the thing. Yeah. But the big thing that was here, well, Diablo 4 was really big, but I want to finish also with a large one. The announcement of Overwatch 2 which is both surprising and kind of expected, but not in the way that it was brought out. But we have a sequel to Overwatch 2. I would say it's exciting, but underwhelming, in yeah. my opinion. And we'll get into that. Yeah. So they announced a... They showed a the story so far, which gave a little bit of insight into pulling together all these little mini cinematics that they've created over the years to showcase the story up to this point. And they brought out an eight-minute roughly cinematic trailer that showed Winston and May and them fighting off against whatever those robot creatures uh, the are. Om- Omnic f- robot forces. Yeah. The Omnic robot forces. And then the last minute, of course, everybody showed up to save and then they brought the team back together and it was all awesome and epic. And then now it's the overwatch is back again. I was like, how are they going to get out of this one? Oh wait, everyone's going to show up at the last minute. <laughs> Yeah, and lo and behold, they they pulled an Avengers. That's I was exactly what Endgame. I was thinking. It looks just like Avengers. That's what it was. Is a copy and paste almost, but it's still interesting. But ultimately, what they have now is they announced story missions are going to be coming to Overwatch Two, so you can team up as different sets of heroes and fight to defend the world from the Omnic forces of Null Sector. You uncover the motives behind the robotic army attacks and come face to face with rising new threats around the globe. Then they've added hero missions, which are very highly replayable, as they said in the trailer, uh, co-op missions with independent leveling systems and upgrades for each character. And then they've added a new PvP core mode called Push, which is a very symmetrical layout where you are pushing, you have a robot that's pushing something from one side to the other. And then it's a tug of war kind of system. And this is going to be a core mode. It's going to be available in Overwatch League next year. So it's a big part that they're adding to it they are going to bring out new heroes they unveiled one but didn't talk about it called sojourn however they said that there are going to be multiple new heroes with the new game and they're not going to talk about them but i'm assuming echo who was in that one trailer is going to be one of them also is in this the artwork the key art that came out so that's probably gonna be a hero character new maps including toronto Redesigned UI look, new character designs, which don't really look a whole lot different, but Lucio's got glowing hair now, which is weird. I don't know what that's all about, but uh, that's in there. And then Overwatch, this was a big deal. Overwatch players can still play with Overwatch 2 players, so they didn't split up the the, the group. So ultimately, if you're playing Overwatch, you're going to get these new heroes. You're going to get these, I think you're going to get the heroes, the maps, and all that stuff as an Overwatch player. But if you have Overwatch 2, you get the story missions, the hero missions, the new look, the new UI, and all that stuff as well. And then all the old cosmetics will carry over to Overwatch 2 in addition. So that's ultimately what Overwatch 2 is. Thoughts, feedback, 
Inside. I mean, I think some of this is cool, and I think it's worth having. I just it just depends on the price that they're going to charge for Overwatch Two. If it's going to be a sixty dollars game, I don't think it's worth it. You're not getting enough stuff to make it an actual sequel to Overwatch. Now, if it comes out for thirty dollars, twenty dollars, I don't know what like a DLC type price. I I can see that happening. I honestly think they don't need Overwatch Two. They could have just released this as a new season and like called it something like Overwatch: The New Beginning. Right, and it tells like a story, and maybe you get a few story missions every week that you can play through. Um, and if they really wanted to, they could put a battle pass to it, but I don't think it's necessary. I mean, they, I mean, just do like um, something like um, <clears throat> uh, Destiny Two, where you pay thirty five dollars for an expansion, and you get X amount of story missions, and because we don't know how the story missions are gonna, are, you know, pan out, but it just kind of looks like you're going through old maps and killing robots. And I just don't see how you can make that interesting and fun, given that this whole game is based around a hero shooter and you're fighting other people to balance it out. You know, you bounce out each other in the match, whoever you're facing, and you have to adapt to that. If you're just killing robots that have one thing, they just walk and shoot, that's easy. Like, that's not fun. That's just, unless it's a horror mode, maybe, each section you get the, you know, kill different hordes that get tougher and tougher as you progress, which is most likely what they'll do, but still, like, I don't see how that's so fun. And I just, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's better if they just do, like, one month as a season, here's the first story mission that consists of maybe nine or 12 missions, and you get the first little story bit, and then the next season is, you know, moving on to another character, telling these stories, or telling the stories of certain characters, you know, two or three at a time, and then that all ultimately leads to some kind of big finale showdown, and then you know you can charge how much how much ever you want to, like ten ten dollars a month or something. Yeah, I mean it could be in a battle pass, you know, you leveling up and stuff, and that comes with the battle pass for the month or I, the season. I do like the idea of them having instead of dropping an Overwatch two, doing it where it's seasonal content, where every season you get a couple of new stories that you can play through, and learn more about the world and I, I do wish they had kind of gone in that path because you get it we, we get it more frequently yeah and oh, yeah. kind of like episodic content you know from um telltale games and things like that but allow it to to piecemeal itself through because like overwatch is doesn't look bad i mean it still looks good it still mm-hmm. plays great yeah and putting a two on it it's like like we have mentioned pre-podcast like Destiny intentionally did Destiny 2 for a live service game because they wanted to right the wrongs. They brought out Destiny 1 that had a shitty engine and was hard to work with and had a lot of failures through the process. And they wanted to start with a clean slate and bring out Destiny 2 with revamped systems, designs, all that stuff. And then say, this is our fresh starting point. With Overwatch 2, they don't really need that because the game's already good. So them adding a story component to it is weird that they went this route. But, I mean, I'm curious to see more about why they did that. They didn't really reveal enough about the reason for the name change. Right, right. But, I mean, I mentioned earlier that it might just be you get more press if you put a two on it than if you just said Overwatch expansion or something like that. Well, I will (laughs) say that you might get bad press when it actually releases and... There's hardly anything there. Yeah. It possibly could be a sixty dollar game. Well, I'm curious to know how much story content there is. Right. Like you'd I'd expect there to be like a fifteen to twenty hour 
campaign minimum. Yeah, they, they said there's replayability with those missions as well. But well, that's what the hero missions. That's separate. Oh, okay. So the story missions themselves gotcha. are going to be its own thing. And then you have the thing of it like the co-op mode on Call of Duty where you have like its own isolated story missions that are, I think those are going to be more horde mode mm-hmm. focused mm-hmm. where you are playing with your friends and doing like repeated replayability stuff. But the story component is its, ent- its own entity. And I'm curious what that's going to consist of. My understanding of it is we're going to be doing heavily scripted story-based missions where you have like maybe an opening cutscene and you have an objective you have to move to, you know, maybe defuse a bomb or like do this or do that, fight some bad guys, move to this, move to that, and just like go through this world to then get to the end thing. So they're making new maps for that. How big are the maps? You know, it just... I feel like they would have to add more mechanics to Overwatch in order to make these story missions worthwhile, in my opinion. Yeah. Obviously, we haven't seen them. We don't know too much about them, but thinking of like how the game is made and knowing that Blizzard Activision doesn't they don't want to spend a lot of money on new things. Um, not to say that they didn't for this, but I just feel like it's gonna be a little on the lighter side of gameplay. Yeah. Minus what they already have. Right. Yeah. This is my take. I, I hope it's good. Maybe I'll change my opinion once it comes out. You know, yeah. We'll get more about it. I'm hoping for the best because Overwatch is a great game. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I am curious on the price point. I think that's going to be the biggest biggest thing there. Oh, yeah. Of what are they going to charge it? Because uh, PC version of Overwatch was 40 bucks. Uh, console was $60. But it was fair because, I mean, yeah, it? they have microtransactions the in there. Think. Yeah, I think so. Got extra stuff with it. Yeah. But microtransactions and stuff still exist in the game, but I've never bought anything in Overwatch. So I've just like done I, the I bought, standard stuff. I bought ten loot loot boxes way back in the day. Yeah. Just to see like what you would get. I got a few cool things, but after that I was like, I'm not buying yeah. <laughs> any more loot boxes. Yeah. But uh, overall, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm not as hyped as I expected to be because when I saw the new look that they were advertising, I'm like, what's new? Yeah, I can't tell a difference. Like they have better lighting, maybe better shadows, and a little higher quality textures, but it wasn't anything to really write home about. Yeah, but like even the textures, though. I mean, because because it's like cell shaded stuff, it's the the textures were never aren't supposed to be you know very clear in any regard. I mean, maybe yeah, definitely. It's not I think really cell shaded, but it's not got cell, more of I mean, a cartoony. That's a wrong term. Yeah, it's a it's that that cartoon art style that all the textures are soft, but intentionally soft, right. like Sea of Solitude and stuff like that. It's got that visual fidelity or what the golf and stuff. It's using that kind of yeah, style. Yeah, realm, I see. But it's, it is weird. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I mean, either way, I am pumped about it because I do want to see the story missions. I want to learn more about the story. There's all this cryptic, like, what is happening in Overwatch world and all that all the way through Overwatch 1, and they gave a little bit of story beats, but people have been wanting to see more about what this universe is because they've developed all these characters. They're really awesome characters. Seeing them in a campaign and learning more about who they are as people would be interesting to experience. Right. So, I bet we see Overwatch 2 at E3 next year. Oh, yeah. I can see that. And then we'll probably get something about Diablo 4 at the next BlizzCon next year. Yeah. I bet it releases. Hmm. I, I don't know. I feel like it's dangerous to release next year because there's so many games coming out next year that are like big, big titles. It might be 2021. We don't yeah. know yet. I'm just trying to think the best time to like 
announce Diablo 4 and get people pumped. I feel like 2021 E3, they'll probably show Diablo, and then it'd be cool if they released it like before BlizzCon at some point. It would be a good launch title for next-gen consoles. Oh, yeah. I think that would be really oh, yeah. solid for that. Yeah. I just so. don't think it's going to come any sooner than 2021. Talking Interesting. about Diablo 4? Yeah, Diablo yeah, 4. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could see it if they do release it next year. I would see it like at the launch of the new console systems. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. but otherwise, I definitely say twenty twenty one is the goal. But Overwatch we'll definitely see next year, probably in May, because that's when they release the other one. Shut up, Siri. Yeah, Sorry. we don't know what you Siri mean. interrupted me. She is mean. I don't know why she's listening, but that is BlizzCon. I think it was pretty solid overall. I mean, there was. Despite all the controversy, I think it's pretty impressive the the breadth of stuff that they showed off. Um, it's better than last year. <laughs> I'm anxious to see if we see a StarCraft next year. That was Starcraft's rumored to up, have I'm been sure. announced, but they might be saving that for next BlizzCon. They still need to make a freaking StarCraft Ghost, man. I know. I, know. I, wonder, I don't I think they're see ever that bringing come that. back. That's so stupid that they yeah. abandoned that. Yeah. It's dumb. Yeah. But they also had a big push during the conference of... Uh, being part of a community, being good to each other, you know, hopefully you see that reflected in the BlizzCon performance was a common thread throughout everything. Um, so they're, it sounds like they're trying to push things in the right direction and make people happy again, like them, appreciate them. So we'll see what happens. It was, it was very, very interesting to watch all the topics of discussion, but yeah, that's BlizzCon. Overwatch 2, Diablo 4, Hearthstone, Descent of Dragons, and WoW Shadowlands. So Amazing. There we go. What are you most excited for? Po- probably Diablo 4. Yeah. I mean, that's a game I can get into because it's dark, it's gritty. You kind of got that looter shooter in a way. Yeah. So it's fun. Cool. Mm-hmm. I think I'm all with the Overwatch just because I like Overwatch. Yeah. But I have my reservations. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But anyway, that's going to wrap it up for our topic this week. If you have questions or want to contribute to next week's segment, you can visit dinnergamer.net and send us your feedback. You can also join us on our Discord channel in the show notes to chat with us there. Then we'll be right back with our upcoming video game releases. We got some good ones for you, so stay tuned. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Looking forward to next week, let's talk about our upcoming video game releases and our free games for the month of November. New month, new games, here we go. On Xbox One, if you're a Games Pass or a Games with Gold member, or if you have the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate Edition, it comes included. You get four games, Sherlock Holmes, The Devil's Daughter, a game called The Final Station, and then two Xbox 360 cross-compatible titles, Star Wars Jedi Starfighter and Joyride Turbo. Interesting. Then for PlayStation 4, we are getting two games, as we always do with PlayStation 4. If you are a subscriber, you get Outlast 2, which is pretty big, and Neo. Those, that's that's a that's a big one. That's pretty huge. Those are big games. Like shit. That's that's impressive. Yeah. And then also our games coming out next week. I hope you all are ready for this. Oh shit. On the eighth. Actually, this is all coming out on the eighth of uh, November. <laughs> PS4, Death Stranding, 
After the collapse of civilization, Sam Bridges must journey across a ravaged landscape, crawling with otherworldly threats to save mankind from the brink of extinction. From Hideo Kojima comes an all-new genre-defying experience for the PS4. And then they also announced that next year, in the summer of 2020, this will come to PC. So it is not going to be a exclusive console Whoa. system. And it's going to be on PC, potentially on the Epic Game Store. Scary, scary. But I will get it for PS4 because yeah. that's where it belongs, damn it. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But I am really, really excited for that. It's supposedly clocking at like 50 hours, which is insane. So it's going to be fun. Also on the 8th, we have on PS4, Xbox One, and PC, the next Need for Speed game called Need for Speed Heat. Hustle by day and risk it all at night in Need for Speed Heat, a thrilling race experience that pits you against the city's rogue police force as you battle your way into street racing's elite. I think I will buy this. No, I don't have to buy it because I have EA access. So Boom, look at that. Included. Um, I am going to play it, though, because it looks pretty fun. It's like an arcade racer, and it's just cool to like run from police and drive fast and do crazy stuff. Oh, yeah, so oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. pretty pumped. And then on the Switch exclusively, we have new Super Lucky's Tale. Leap into a playful platforming adventure for all ages. Run, jump, climb incredible heights, burrow deep underground, overcome enemies, and explore amazing worlds on an epic quest to rescue the Book of Ages from the mysterious Jinx and his nefarious kitty litter. <laughs> Jokes. Funny. That is going to wrap it up for our show this week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure and check us out next Tuesday for more from your favorite video game podcast. Visit TheInnerGamer.net for our latest episodes, videos, and social channels. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell every single friend that you have. I don't care if they play games or not. Every single one. And if you want to support our show, you can donate on our website over at TheInnerGamer.net. All donations go towards making the podcast videos and events even better. And don't forget that this is what you decide what to pay it's not a subscription service you want to pay a hundred dollars a year you get all the content for free and you can donate as much as you want zero to a million dollars you know former the latter mostly the latter right yeah exactly <laughs> you can also join in on the conversation over on discord channel check out the show notes for that link and as always again please share this content with any of your friends and family the more eyes that we get the content in front of the it really helps a lot, guys. We really, really do appreciate everything you've done. And my name is Austin Morales. And my name is Brady Noski. But I did want to say real fast, shout out to whoever gave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Because we oh. now have 17 Thank you. ratings. That's really cool. Yeah, they didn't go, leave a re- review, but they left a rating. So that's go, exciting. Go on over and, and leave us a review, please. And we'll read it out here on the podcast. Exactly. You'll get your name out here on the podcast. You want that. Anyways, thanks. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Podcast out. You've been listening to your gamer. Podcast. Am- ambiguously. Am- ambiguous. Is that what I said? <laughs> no, no, I was just saying uh, it because we were talking about ambiguity earlier. Good. I was just like, I'm just-
Clappity clap 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 Go ahead, keep going. All right, here we go. I want you to keep going. No, I'm good. Done. Done. I now. need more bloopers, Brett. <laughs> chuck, chuck, chuck. One, two, chuck. This is Sean Connery, and you're listening to the Inner Gamer Podcast. That sounded pretty awesome, actually. Thank you. I have to give you this. <laughs> oh, that's that's the horn of congratulations. It right means there. so much, Brett. It's the horn of congratulations. See, we could do our own impressions, and no one will ever know. <laughs>